Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Fathers, grandfathers, spiritual dads, stepdads, thank you. You're essential. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. And if you're a grandfather or you're your, uh, your kids are graduated or grown or moved on, you're still needed. You're still needed. There's a father's heart inside of your chest that it, the next generation needs. So find some little ones and roll around in the dirt with them. Show up to their baseball games. Let them know how loved and how valuable they are. Single moms, get your kids around godly men. I'm forever grateful to my mom. She always positioned me around men who pointed me to Jesus. From the time I was in junior high until I left her house, she always put me around men who pointed me to Jesus. Not perfect men, but men who was following the perfect father. We need dads. We need dads. Dads. Dads, will you stand this morning? If you're a father in any way, grandfather in any way, I want you to stand. And I want to give these men a round of applause. We honor you today. We bless you, men. We bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now I didn't tell them I was going to do this, but they would have told me not to do it. I want to honor Tim and Paul. You're right, I ain't going to make it. These are two fathers in my life that are strong, that are bold, that are courageous, that are loving, that are giving. I can call Paul and Tim up any day or the night and ask, I mean, I can ask for anything, anything. I can go up to Tim's barn and take pretty much any tool that I want to, really without asking. Because he, he has that father's attitude of what his is mine. I remember, uh, uh, no, I, don't, I hope they don't mind, I don't share this, but Lucas and Dylan, they had a car in the shop the other day and, and uh, they, they needed uh, you know, a ride to work. And Lucas said, well, just borrow our car for the, or, or Tim told him, just borrow our car for the week. Borrow, it, his, it was his wife's car. And it's a nice car. Nice for anything I've ever driven. But just for, you know, for the week, just like, just take it. Right now, Tim, he's got a whole closet. And Paul has a whole closet full of sermons that they've preached for the last 30 years. And I can go in anytime I want to, pull one of those sermons out and preach them like it's mine. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to sit there and they're going to take notes and say it's the best thing they've ever heard. <laughs> and not take credit for it in any way. But that's just the father's heart that these men have. And we, when you come underneath submission to a father, which I all believe that we're supposed to, you begin to flourish. You begin to flourish. You begin to flourish. And what a fatherless generation needs, 
as fathers that they will come under and sit under and bow their pride before in humility and say, teach me, show me, help me. And our nation will turn around overnight. You want to fix our nation? Put a godly man in every home. You want to turn our world around? Put a godly man in every home. You want to turn the church around? Put a Tim and Paul in every single one of them. <laughs> Come on. Come on. So Tim, Paul, I thank you. I honor you. I bless you guys today. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you, thank you, thank you. With it being Father's Day, um, I want to preach a message about Father God. Last, uh, last year I preached Father's Day and it was more geared towards fathers, but I want to preach one today that's for all of us because a, a central theme in the New Testament is to show God as Father. We don't, we don't really get this in the Old Testament, but we, we, we get kind of shadows of it, verses here and there, but really in the New Testament, it's a central theme of the New Testament to see God as Father and a central message of Jesus and a central ministry now of the Holy Spirit. One of the Spirit's main, main job is to testify to our spirits that he is Abba, that he is Father. Galatians 4 and Romans, Romans 8 might be the climax, the pinnacle of the New Testament. Romans 8, and in, right in the middle of Romans 8 might be one of the most important verses in all of Scripture, is that the Holy Spirit testifies to my spirit, Abba, Father, that I cry out that I'm no longer, that I'm no longer a, a son to slavery, but now I've been brought into freedom, that I've been given sonship, I've been adopted into his family, and the Holy Spirit tells my spirit to cry out, Abba, Father. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And, it, and it's so key because our theme this year is the kingdom of God. We're talking about living in the kingdom of God. And I, I want us to know you will not live in the kingdom of God. You will not see the kingdom of God manifest in your life if you do not see him as father. Luke 12, 32, one of my favorite verses says, fear not little flock because it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. But most of us have a hard time getting to that place that it's his good pleasure to give me anything. A lot of times we sit in a place where, you know, where we, we see him as, a, you know, we, we talk about in worship a lot of times, like you raise your hands in, hands in surrender. And I think that expression is okay, but I want you to understand, if you're a child of God, you're already surrendered and God is not holding you at gunpoint. Stick your hands up, right? You're not, oh, please don't hit me, please don't strike me down. No, you are a child of God. And so what happens is, is this motion here in worship turns from, don't hit me to dad, pick me up. That's what that becomes is like, dad, pick me up. Father, pick me up. And that's, that's what that symbolizes is, is a child in anticipation of a loving father to pick them up. Now, I want to dialogue about this this morning because I know a lot of people, they hear father and immediately a red flag goes up because my dad was absent or he was passive or he was abusive, or he was constantly angry or frustrated. And a lot of us have these red flags go up. We love Jesus, we love the Holy Spirit, but I don't know about this father stuff. But I want you to know your heavenly father, your Abba father, your father is not like your earthly dad. Even if your earthly dad is awesome, your earthly dad can only be a type and a shadow of your heavenly father. He can only be a mere reflection of him. The moon shines no light of its own. It only reflects that of the sun. So you, even if your earthly dad is awesome, he only is awesome because of the grace and the goodness of God. And so our heavenly father is so much better than our earthly fathers. And he's not abusive and he's not passive and he's not absent. 
See, what's incredible about our earthly father is that he's always present and he's always available. He doesn't have to check his calendar to see if he can have lunch with you. He can always have lunch with you. See, my kids, they, they, they want access to me. They want to be with me, but they can't be with me all the time. They can't be with me while I'm at work. They can't be with me every single, single moment of the day, but you can be with your heavenly father every single moment of the day. And what Jesus was trying to show us from the Old Testament to the New Testament is, hey, he's here and he wants you to experience him. He didn't want you to just know about him. He wants you to relate to him. So let's look at, real quick, let's look at John 14. If you got your Bibles or your cellular devices, turn to John 14. All of us spiritual people, we will turn the actual page and we will read the red letters. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Whatever Bible you read, read it a lot. <laughs> John 14, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but the father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask anything for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So what does the Father look like? If he doesn't, if he doesn't look like our earthly dads, what does he look like? He looks like Jesus. The Father looks like Jesus. Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 say that Jesus is the exact representation, the exact expressed image and glory of the Father. So what does Father God look like? He looks like Christ. He looks like, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen him. So how do we get to know what the Father looks like? Read the red letters. <laughs> see what he did. See how he treated people. See how he talked to people. And the only people that Jesus ever seemed angry and frustrated at were the ones who were keeping the people away from the Father. The ones who were saying, get yourself cleaned up so that you can come see him. But that's not the way that the Father operates. And any, any good Christian earthly father who has their own children, you don't want your kids to run away from you when they blow it. You want your kids to run to you. And that's how he sees us. And so I want, you, I want you to get it into your heart this morning that the Father is not angry, he's not, he's not frustrated at your lack of progress. He actually wants to come close to help you with the progress that you're making. Now, you, and, and, and we won't come close if we feel like he's angry and we feel like he's frustrated with us, but it's so easy to put the face of our dads on him. And I don't... You know, I don't even want my kids to put my face on him because I get angry and I get frustrated and I, get, and I lose patience and I'm not kind all the times and I use the wrong words and sometimes I get frustrated over dumb things that don't really matter, but God doesn't. Come on. Come on. Listen, when the Father looks at you, he sees you, but he sees you with the righteousness of Jesus. 
He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so here's what I want you to know this morning. If you are a son, a believer in God, you are completely righteous. Not based on your behavior, based on his. Based on his. I heard someone say recently, you cannot grow in righteousness. You can't. Because you have the, how do you get more righteous than God? <laughs> how do you get more righteous than Jesus? You don't. Well, how come our behavior sometimes doesn't reflect it? Because oftentimes we don't believe it. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in the deep places of who he is, so is he. So he behaves. And when we begin to believe that we have an Abba Father who sees us as completely holy, completely blameless, completely flawless, as we begin to believe that's how he sees us, then our behavior begins to follow. Come on. This is good news. This is really good news. And listen, dads, I, oftentimes when, I, when, when Father's Day comes around, <laughs> I don't know if you guys, I don't know how you feel about this. Judge me. It's okay. There's a personality test called the Enneagram. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah. Whatever you think about it, whatever. We can debate later. <clears throat> I'll win probably, so I'm just, I'm, ki I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I'm an Enneagram one, which means like, I feel like I'm right about everything. <laughs> what? Yeah, my wife's going, y you? No. <clears throat> I'm, I'm a one, and so like I, I think I'm right, or like, like I want to be right about everything, but, but, but oftentimes like, the negative of my personality is that I self-reflect so hard. I'm really, really hard on myself. And so when days like Father's Day comes around, what I do is I find myself looking in the mirror going, you stink. Like, you're not, you're not a good dad. You could be so much better. That's, how, that's a lot of times how I feel about myself. One, one thing that resonated with my, uh, I don't know if you, the young, everybody under 40 will know what a meme is. If you're over 40 and don't want to know what a meme is, just ask your teenager later. Um, but it, it's basically a joke. But the one that I saw, <laughs> somebody like, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Tim makes fun of young people, so can I make fun of old people? Is that okay? <laughs> but there was, this, there was this thing that said, if you, if you could get a million dollars, but it also would mean that the person that you hate the most would get a million dollars, would you do it? And as a Enneagram won it, like, of course, because then I would get $2 million. <laughs> Some of you will get it after service. <laughs> you kind of hear the echo of the laughs that kind of ripples through. But, but, but anyway, so like, but this is hard for me to get oftentimes because I know me and I know my thoughts and I know the things that I've done. And I know, I know that I deserved what happened to Jesus. I know, what, I know what I deserve is what Jesus took for me. And he gave me his righteousness. And that's just too good. Like, to me, that's too good to be true. What makes it even crazier is that, like, I got no problem, like, laying my life down. Like, if you come in, like, if a gunman came in and, like, and, and um, Austin's my boy. Austin's our junior high pastor. He's the man. If, if somebody came in and said, like, it's you or it's Austin, I'm like, take me out. I'll take a bullet for him any day. But now if they come in and they go, it's Austin or it's my oldest son, Micah, you know, Austin, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain, bro. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. 
because that's my son. That's my son. And I would die a thousand times over than, than ever than watch him die. Right? But God so loved the world that he sent his son. And listen, it wasn't God so hated the world that he murdered his son. God actually didn't crucify Jesus. We did. We, God didn't tie his son to a whipping post. That was our sin that did that. Our sin put him on the cross. God didn't put him on the cross. God allowed us to do it so that we could, the transfer of righteousness could take place. But God did not crucify his son. He didn't murder his son. He loved us so much that he gave his son. And Jesus prays in John 17, Lord, I know you love them like you love me. Let that hit you. That God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Come on, can we get that revelation here this morning? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they ran and hid. When they blew it, when the temptation came and they sinned, they went and hid in the garden. You go to Mark 14 and you see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. When he's facing that test of, am I going to obey my father or am I going to run away? He cries out, Abba, Father, I need you. I can't do this on my own. And because he passed that test, we now pass the test. And we can have that same cry. See, when temptation comes, I can go, Abba, I can't do this without you. Abba, like I'm a, I'm a fake, I'm a failure, I blew it, Abba. That's what he wants. He doesn't want us to run and hide. He wants us to run to him with arms up so that he can embrace us and show us his love and his goodness and he can set us back right again. Amen. <sighs> Come on, he's not waiting for you to run to him so that he can smack you over the head and say, I thought you would get it by now. That's not his attitude. But oftentimes, that's how people treat us, and so we think that that's how God relates to us, and it's not how he relates to us. <sighs> he's not mad or frustrated with you. He's actually, he's fascinated with you. Zephaniah 3.17 says that he delights over you, and he sings songs of salvation over you. And so as we're singing to him, he sings over us. <laughs> what? This is so good. This is the gospel. This is the good news. He's, he's Abba. He's Abba. Listen, the answer for a fatherless generation is a church who will be fathered by God. We all need to be fathered by God. Can we learn and glean awesome, amazing things from our, our fathers, our spiritual fathers, our stepdads, our grandpa? Yes, absolutely, and I encourage you to do that, but you also need to be fathered by God because there are things that your earthly father can't give you, and there are ways that your earthly father is going to let down because he's not a perfect man, but God, Father God is absolutely perfect, and he will absolutely never let you down. And anytime you think that he has let you down, he hasn't let you down. It's not him. We live in a fallen, broken world that I believe that we are actually called to set back right. You go back to Romans chapter 8, the pinnacle, Abba, Father. Paul then goes into all of creation is groaning and waiting for the manifesting of the sons and daughters of Yahweh. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Perhaps when we lay our hands on the sick and don't see him healed, it's not on his end. Perhaps it's on, our, on ours because maybe sometimes we don't believe he is as good as he says he is. And so it's on, it's, I got to get my belief there instead of blaming him for it. 
Because it's not on him. He's perfect and good. He's the father of heavenly lights that only rains down good gifts on his children. And so I got to get my place, myself to a place where I believe that he is Abba. I got to commune with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth that testifies to my spirit that he is Abba. Come on, I'm preaching this morning. I might be preaching to myself. Come on. We see it over and over again. Jesus actually refers to God as Father 156 times in John alone, 15 times in the Sermon on the Mount alone. The only time that Jesus does not refer to God as Father or as Abba is when he's on the cross and he's quoting David from Psalms 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what Jesus did in that moment is he allowed, to, he allowed his mindset, his heart to sink to a place where he felt separated from God like we do. He was not separated from God because Corinthians says that, the, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so it wasn't like the father said, oh, he's got sin on him now on the cross. I have to lift my hands off. No, God doesn't. He, he, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? He came looking for him, right? And what was, the, what was the question that God called out? Where are you? And then when they came and they began to have this little confession, the first question after that that God asked us is, is uh, we were naked and we hid. And God says, who told you you were naked? The first question was, what did you do? The first question was, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Come on. Who told you that you were a pervert? Who told you that you were broken? Who told you to go hide from me? Who told you? See, he was more interested in the lie that they believed than the action they committed. Because the lie that they believed is what caused the action that they committed. They believed that God was withholding something from him. So we're going to shake our fist at God because he's holding out on me. Because I have this temptation and this urge and this desire to do something. And God tells me no. And it's like, you can't, you can't, I want to do that. You can't tell me no. And so we buy into a lie that causes separation from him. But when we do that, even God comes looking for us, man. We don't deserve for him to come looking for us. And he does anyway. He should have just said, to heck with y'all. When, the, when the, I preached on the prodigal son a few weeks ago, I'm not going to re-preach that sermon right now, but when the prodigal comes home, the father runs out to meet him and wraps his arms around him. and doesn't say, He doesn't come out to him and say, well, I want you to come inside and I want you to think about what you've done. And after you've proven yourself for six months of good behavior, then we're going to restore you. No, he says, give him the robe. Here's my ring. He's in charge. Let's throw a party. And it was that encounter with goodness that in, then enabled the behavior for the rest of his life. If you don't encounter the goodness of God, you're not going to be able to live righteously. You're not going to be able to live in the kingdom. You're not going to be able to lay your hands on the sick and see him healed. You're not going to be able to see greater works than even Jesus performed. Because you don't believe that you're a son, you still believe that you're a slave. This is it. If we get this one thing, if we get this one thing where we believe he's Abba, it will change your family, it will change your life, it will change your house, it will change your, your job, your workplace, it will change your church, it will change this nation, it will change everything. If we get this, if we realize 
that we're the sons and daughters of God. You're loved. You're loved. More than you could imagine, you're loved. Not based on what you did last night. Not based on what you, well, I lost, you know, I said things to my wife. I, you know, I said things, I treated my husband, you know, well, I'm, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm divorced or I've had an affair or, you know, I've watched pornography or whatever. You're loved. He's not looking at your scorecard. He's not looking at your performance, man. And what a fatherless generation needs is for some dads to step into the picture and say, I don't care if you ever hit it over the fence. I don't care if you ever make the game winning shot. I don't care if you ever get the college degree. I don't care if you ever become a doctor. I don't care if you ever make six figures. You're my son. And nothing will ever change that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Can you lean into that this morning? That nothing can separate you from Abba. And I don't care if you're five years older in here or if you're 85 years old in here or if you're 91 years old in here, you're still a child of God. Tim preached a few weeks ago that we come to him. It's the little children that will inherit the kingdom. Let the little children come to me. Let the li- so even, at, sometimes I find this is harder for men to relate to, but you got to crawl up in Abba's lap and let him hug you. Let the embrace drive the dysfunctional behavior out of you. Come on, if you think that you've got to get right before you can come into his presence, that's works. That's religion. You're not, you don't work your way into salvation. And you got to come as a child. I was mowing my yard uh, yesterday, and here come my, my six-year-old, my four-year-old, and my two-year-old out there. Daddy, what can we do? How can we help you? Well, first, you can stay back because I don't want this mower to hit you in the head with a rock. <clears throat> but they want to come, and they want to help, and they want to, they want to do. Why do they want to do? Because they love me. His wife says, come as children, don't come as teenagers. God bless you, teenagers. That's why he says, come as children, don't come as a 30-year-old man. Come as children, don't come as a retired man. Come on, come as children. You view him as Abba, you view him as Papa. And that's why Jesus says, if you love me, You'll obey me. Right? Judah man, my little Judah man, six years old, comes out, wanting to help me in the yard. I give him a couple, hey, buddy, you can shovel this rock here. You can move this here. If he loves me, he obeys me. That's what it looks like. See, this Abba Father thing, this is not, this is not head knowledge. This is heart knowledge. This is a, that, that where the Spirit hits us and says, Abba Father, it's all about experiencing relationship with him where he hits your emotion and he hits your feelings and you have a complete heart transformation where you encounter his goodness well i'm not just all i'm not i'm, I'm not you know i'm not chasing my feelings or sensationalism or, or, or whatever you want emotionalism or whatever you want to call it god created your emotions and he'll redeem them and he'll use them for his good come on let this hit you at a deep deep place here this morning he's abba Man, I haven't looked at my notes one time. I want to read this to you. I'm almost done. I'm, you're like, oh my gosh, he's just now getting started. Um, <laughs> I 
this is just in me and it's hit me so deeply that I don't, I don't necessarily have to go do some one, two, threes here this morning. I know, I know Chloe, one of the most powerful things about Chloe is watching her testimony video and like this is what, like when she got that Abba Father revelation, it completely changed everything for her and it no longer became about religious duty, but it came about this amazing relationship that I have with my Abba. I want to read this to you. <clears throat> J.I. Packer asked the question, what is a Christian? He said, the question can, only, can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as a father. In other words, we are designed to live in a family. Our highest privilege and deepest need is to experience the holy God as our loving father, to approach him without fear, and to be assured of his fatherly care and concern. You can sum up the whole of the New Testament religion if you describe it as a knowledge of God as one's holy father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. I could have just read that and we could have been done today. <laughs> that could have been it. I want you to know this morning that God loves you. He doesn't tolerate you. He actually enjoys your company. He's not frustrated or disgusted with you. 1 John 4.18 says that perfect love casts out fear because fear includes with it the anticipation of punishment. In the context that John is talking about there, he's talking about the anticipation of punishment from God. But friend, I want you to know this morning there's no more punishment left for you. There's no more consequences left for you because Jesus took them. What we deserved, he took on the cross. And so now you can come in. We were singing about coming into the throne room. You can come into the presence of a holy God. You can experience things that not even the angels get to experience. Come on. We have access to a good father. A good father. Church services are great, but Jesus didn't die for great church services. He didn't die so that you could encounter his father two days a week. Right? Church services are awesome, and I think we all need to be at them. Don't forsake the assembling together one with another. They're incredible. We need to gather. But you also, I want you to know, you can get with Abba every day, every moment of the day. I didn't marry my wife so that I could see her once a week. Right? I didn't have kids so that they could see me twice a week. We have access to him all the time time. And, and listen, you've got just as much access as I do. Just as much access as, as Pastor Tim, as Paul, as Hetty. You've got, you are a holy priest. You have just as much access to the Father as anyone else does because you get to come like Jesus gets to come. We are co-seated with Christ in heavenly places. Whew, come on. I want to end with this, and then I'm going to have a, I, I want a Courtney and Lucas to come uh, close us with a song here. <clears throat> the baptism of Jesus and the transfiguration of Jesus are the two places that we have recorded where the audible voice of God speaks to Jesus. The two places that there were witnesses, when he was baptized, when he came out of the water, and then on the mountain of transfiguration, the audible voice of God spoke to Jesus. God says the same thing both times. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. 
at the baptism, that was before he raised anybody from the dead, before he healed anybody, before he, dude had been a carpenter for 30 years of his life, he hadn't done nothing. But his identity was son. And it was from that identity that he then did everything that he did. And then before he goes to the cross, mountain of transfiguration, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. In John 17, Jesus prays about his current disciples, and he says, and the ones who will believe because of them. So Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, John 17, was also praying for us. And he says this line, Father, I know you love them like you love me. We hear that, but do we believe it? You are beloved, and there's nothing you can do about it. Come on. You're loved, and there's nothing that you can do to change his mind. You're loved. And, and, and oftentimes people hear that and it's like, man, this kind of sounds a little, you know, greasy grace, man. I don't, you know, I don't know about all this too, it's too much. It's the goodness of God. When I hear that, it makes me want to run to him. It makes me want to obey him. It makes me want to go shout it from the rooftops. I heard a preacher say this the other day. He was talking about a, uh, this old patristic theologian. He, he, was, he was in his study one day, and out of the corner of his eye, he saw his 10-year-old grandson. And he turned and looked at his grandson, and his grandson was there with a friend. He had never seen this other kid before. But the two boys came in, wrestled him out of his chair. He was laughing and playing and, and tickling and, and, and cutting up and, 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 and rustling. And then they ran out of the room, and he, says, he said, uh, I know my grandson. I don't know who that other kid was. That's how we introduce people to God. Right? He's so good. When we shine forth his goodness, the people can't help but come and get to know Abba. Amen? All right, I want them. Y'all stand with me. Let's, let's, let's do a song here. Man, I had a lot more to say in my notes. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.